0: So today, I wanted to just give you some insight regarding the scriptures when Jesus told us that we were the light of this world, and that came straight after Him saying that ye are the salt of this earth. And we wanted to look at what that means because in this time, in this day, in this age, and the pandemic we are facing, I feel like nothing would be more important for us to learn what it means to be a light. As the world grows darker and darker, the light will shine brighter and brighter, but we have got to understand what Jesus meant by what He said when He called us light. What did He mean by it? What did He call you to do when He said, you be the light? So we're going to look at that today. The Bible says in Matthew 5 verse 14, I'll just pick it up right there, it says, you are the light of the world. Jesus speaking, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does any light, nor does anyone light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men in such a way, there's a specific way that your light should shine in order to have men see it so that those men will glorify our God. Jesus does not give them an option when He said, you are the light. He does not ask them to work at becoming light. He simply and emphatically tells them, you are the light of the world. There is no debate regarding this. Jesus does not expect our input in it. He didn't ask them what they would like to be when they grow up. (laughs) He, He simply told them, here are the way things are. You are the light of this world. So let's take this life purpose that Jesus gave us as disciples and let's study it one word at a time, starting off with the declaration, You are the light. It is as if Jesus is pointing a finger at them and He says, I'm not talking to anyone else. I'm talking about you. You are the light. He's very specific with who they are. This isn't for anyone or everyone It is you I'm referring to. Our Lord Jesus is today pointing at you, and He's saying, you are now my disciples. Because back then, He was talking to the disciples when He pointed at them. But today, the finger of of the Lord is pointing at you and me, the body of Christ, and He's saying, you, down there on earth, you are the light in this current dark world. So what did Jesus have in mind when He defined them as light. What was He thinking? What were the disciples supposed to look like and be like in order to be this light that Jesus said that they were? Well, the way we find out who the light is, we have to go back up in that chapter to see who He was, what He was saying, who they were. And it's very clear if you look at an exegetical way at this passage just move a little bit up to Matthew 5 verse 3 he says blessed are the poor in spirit Other translation says blessed are you who are poor in spirit that's who the you are when he said you are the light it was those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven he says blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted these are the ones Or this is what it looks like for somebody to be the light. He says, blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and are thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. Today is a moment for you and I to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because our reward in heaven is great. That is when we are the light of this world. So who are those who have these beautiful attitudes? Now why you say beautiful attitudes? Because that sermon that I just read to you, that Jesus gave on the mount, that sermon is called the Beatitudes It's an expression of beautiful attitudes, the Beatitudes. And when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, he was saying, that's a beautiful attitude. Blessed are the meek, that's a beautiful attitude. Blessed are those who sorrow, that's a beautiful attitude. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So these are the ones who have these beautiful attitudes. They are the ones he pointed to and he said, you are the light. You are the light of this world And so, the you Jesus had in mind in verse 3 were those who He referred to as poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Those who have declared spiritual bankruptcy are those who are poor in spirit. What does it mean to declare spiritual bankruptcy? It is when you become completely dependent upon Christ making you spiritually alive. Because within yourself you bankrupt spiritually you have no currency you have no spiritual currency you rely completely on Christ to bring you alive now that is a beautiful attitude in the eyes of God and that's the person who is now becoming a light in a dark world while everybody is spiritually bankrupt but nobody identifies their own depravity, Jesus says, but you, but you who are poor in spirit, you who recognize that you are bankrupt spiritually, that's a beautiful thing to God, because those are the people who turn and say, Jesus, I need you. Then he says in verse 4, the you who are the light are those who mourn. Those who mourn, not those who mourn the loss of a loved one, no, but those who mourn over their sin and weep, they have violated the holiness of God. They mourn, not the loss of a loved one, but the loss of innocence before God. The you in verse 5 are those who are meek, those who are surrendered to God. Those who willingly humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what meekness is. A perfect picture of meekness is the stallion in all of his glory, in all of his strength, being led through a garden by a little girl, a little five-year-old girl. And the stallion just follows her wherever she leads. That is a lot of power under control. That is meekness. And Jesus said, those of you who are meek, those of you who have surrendered your strength to me, he says, that is a beautiful attitude. And that is who is the light in this dark and depraved world. And then the you in verse 6 are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is so beautiful. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for a righteousness of their own, but they hunger to be To have the righteousness or a righteousness with God. God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. That simply means those people who are desperate to be made right with God. God says that is a beautiful attitude. And that attitude becomes a light in this dark and depraved world. The hue in verse 7 are those who are merciful. Those who have... Those who are so very aware of the amount of mercy God has shown them to the point that they naturally now show mercy to others. The you in verse 8 are those who are pure in heart. A heart that is not divided, a heart that is pure. In other words, it is rid of all doubt. It is now pure in faith before God. That is a pure heart, not divided between God's righteousness. And the sin of the world and the sin of the flesh. No, the one who is full of faith before God, not doubting what God has said is in fact true. It's the pure in heart. The you in verse nine are those who are peacemakers. Peacemakers, those who insistently share the gospel of Jesus Christ whenever possible, because they know that the gospel is the only means by which a sin sick. Human can be reconciled to a perfectly holy and righteous God. The only possible way those two, a holy God and a sinful man, can be at peace is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why a person who, who const, constantly, urgently shares the gospel when possible, he, he has a desire to see men be at peace with God, that to God is a beautiful attitude and he says that attitude there is in fact the salt of this earth. That attitude right there, he says you are the light. That's what, makes li- that's what brings light to this dark world. Not social justice, no, the urgency for the gospel of Jesus Christ for men to be saved. The you in verse 10 and 12 are those who are being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You see, when Jesus points, He included those who are part of this list that we, just, that we just read. I mean, if you look at that portion, you'll see it's one entire sermon. He talks about these beautiful attitudes and He says, Now you, now you are the light of this world. And make sure that men see this light. And we'll talk about that. So notice the second word in Jesus' declaration which is are he says you are the light of the world you are the light it doesn't say you would be could be should be the light of the world no he says you are the light of the world i jesus and making sure that that is what's going to happen you see when the bible says god works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure guess what folks that is god working this within you He's currently working with your desire. That's why the Bible says He will give you the desires of your heart. Now that you are a new creature, you have brand new desires, and suddenly your desire is to become this light. Suddenly your desire is all of these things that were just listed. Suddenly you have these beautiful attitudes where you mourn not the loss of a loved one, but the loss of innocence before God. Where you are surrendered to God, because suddenly you are meek before the Lord. Suddenly you uh, um, you want to show mercy because you realize the amount of mercy that was shown you. Suddenly you just want to share the gospel whenever that moment presents itself to you. The third world, the third word is the. He says you are the light. This is a definite article. You are not a light of the world. You are the light of the world. That's why the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world because you, the believer, you are the light in this dark world. The fourth word is light. You are the light of this world. This word light indicates witness. A witness in a court of law actually brings certain details to light. That witness in a court of law brings the details to light regarding the case that they're a witness to. They say, yes, I was there, and I saw him take the knife, and I saw him throw the knife. I am the witness, the eyewitness. In other words, you're putting light. You illuminate an event that took place so that the judge and the jury can now see clearly as to what happened in the event even though they weren't there you the witness bring the light to that situation you see a light shines on something and illuminates it it reveals something it clarifies something it gives clarity the light shines forth as to illuminate and reveal the truth of god the light that you give illuminates and reveals the knowledge of God to an otherwise dead, blind, and deaf humanity. You are this light. You are God's light that shines in this dark world. In a world that is completely ignorant of God, you shine the light and you reveal God's character. In a world that is filled with evil and sin, you shine a light and you show God's mercy and God's grace that saves and redeems man from this evil and depraved world. So thus far, we have established that this is our mission, given to us by Jesus, to be light. We are to shine forth the light of God, not a light of psychology, not a light of philosophy, not a light of humanism, not a light of rationalism, or pragmatism, no, a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus then, in order to help them understand this even clearer as to what He has called them to do, which is also what He's called you and I to do today in 2020 during this COVID-19 pandemic, He gives them two pictures in order to show them what He means when He calls them to be the light. What did he mean when he gave them that mission? And the first picture out of the two, he says, he gives them the idea of a city upon a hill. In Matthew 5 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. There is no mistake in what Jesus was attempting to communicate here. His disciples are to be a lit up city in a dark world elevated for all to see that's you folks that's you family of God that's you church family that's you Christ nation you are a city lit up and elevated for all to see a city is a community of people where there is great community of people there's always a lot of fires. And where there is fire in the old days, of course, there's a lot of light. And when light is elevated on a hill, it is exposed. And when light is exposed, it becomes a beacon. It becomes a point of reference. And that is what Jesus is saying to you today, church family. You are that city. You are a community of believers. You are a collection of lights that God has positioned in the city, this city, this city, in this state in this nation in this world at this time i love the idea that god is sovereign and that he actually planned and predestined you me to be in this city during 2020 because god knew that there was going to be a pandemic and he placed us here why because he has a mission for us at this time you are called to this time you were called to this place you were called for this cause you were called to this mission you were called unto these purposes you were called to reach those goals and God says you are the light yes you are and he will make you shine because we cannot generate, generate light from ourselves we can only reflect the light that God has already given us. When we carry a hope, it's not the ones we it's not the hope we generate and promise, it's the hope of God that He has promised. The second picture that God gave, that Christ gave right here, is a lamp on a lampstand. In Matthew 5, 15, he says, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it this lamp on a lampstand now gives light to all who are in the house it this light on a lampstand now gives light to all in the house now let's first just look at these statements he starts with by saying nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket what he's saying is this lamp this oil this wick why would we waste it by lighting it and then hiding it that's a waste nobody does that now that you realize you are the light don't hide you are not a secret to the world (laughs) you are supposed to be on the lampstand front and center so all can receive the light he says nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand You see, a lampstand would elevate the light to the point where the light would now feature. A lampstand would cause the light to become prominent. And Jesus is basically saying this to His disciples, that they needed their light to be most strategic for maximum effect. He says, put it on a lampstand. Put it high. That city's got to be on a hill. This lamp has got to be on a stand, front and center. He says, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Notice this for a moment, folks. It, singular, all, plural. One strategically elevated lamp that burns with the light of God lights up all. Who are in the room one strategically placed lamp that burns lights up all in the house it is amazing how one fiery christian in a classroom can have an impact in that classroom as a whole it's amazing how one fiery believer of christ in a school what does that for that school it's an amazing thing what one fiery witness of Jesus in the office place does for that work environment. It's an amazing thing what one fiery witness of Jesus in a church community does for that church. And family, if you are a believer of Jesus, Jesus today points to you and He says, yes, you are that light. You individually and us it's an amazing thing how he gives both examples. He, go, he gives the example of the light on a lampstand, one lamp on a lampstand, and he gives the example of an entire city on a hill because we individually have been called to be a light, but we also corporately have been called to be the light of this world. So now Jesus moves from the instruction, you're the light, and the illustration on a hill, a lamp on a stand. And he now goes to the exhortation. So first he instructs us, then he gives us illustration, and now he's going to exhort us. Here Jesus gives a challenge, a choice that needs to be made by you and I, a responsibility that rests upon us. In Matthew 5, 16a, he says, Let your light shine, before men in such a way that they may see your good works now don't shut this off yet (laughs) Uh, don't don't turn the channel (laughs) he says let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works okay this is the action point of Jesus's meeting every meeting there's always a lot of talking and a lot of consideration and, and a lot of debating and then at the end of the meeting. The CEO or the supervisor in that meeting will say, okay, what's the action point here? What are we going to do from here on out? When we stop this meeting, what's going to take place? Well, here's Jesus' action point, okay? This is how we carry out being the light of the world. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Your good works. Now, the word good in Greek, that word means Attractive. Let them see your attractive deeds. It's the word beautiful. Let them see what's beautiful about what God has done in your life. Let the world see the beauty what God has done in you. In other words, be a witness. How can you be a witness? Show show the world once i was blind but now i see show the world once once you were lost but now you have been found show the world those beautiful attitudes that jesus just articulated in that same chapter this is the subject matter he was articulating these beatitudes these beautiful attributes of the new creation he was articulating and outlining these beautiful attitudes of that new creature that he just birthed anew at the born again experience and he says now let this beautiful thing that i birthed in you this new desire that i have now given you i give you the desires of your heart this new desire i have given you because we have a problem with our desires we've always wanted what is evil now suddenly we want god he says and let the world see this this is is a miracle that the man who was spiritually dead, had ears but couldn't hear, had eyes but couldn't see, dead in his sins, suddenly now is alive unto God. Let the world see this, because this is what is light in a dark world. This is the good or beautiful or attractive work of God in a new creation of God. this is the action meeting the action meeting beautiful attitudes beautiful attributes recreated in a regenerated human being a person who's been born of the Spirit of God in other words these attitudes and these attributes are what Jesus now calls good works let the world see them. you didn't create that you can't generate light you can't generate this love of God within you. You can't generate redemption. You can't generate peace with God. You can't generate this meekness of this new creature. You can't generate this new creature's uh, uh, nature. You, you cannot do it within yourself. You were dead. A dead man cannot create his own nature. It was given to him by the fall, by Adam. But this new creature has this brand new nature It is attractive. It is beautiful to God. And it is a light to a dark and dying world. So the question is, how can I put my lamp on a lampstand? How can I put my lamp on this lampstand? Right here in April of 2020, In the thick of things, how can I be this light? Not that's hidden, but that's exposed and elevated and prominent that lights up the whole room for all to see. How can I allow allow my light to be like a city on a hill? How can I be a part of this for the whole world to see? What are these good works that I have? For all to see. Because remember also in that verse it shows very clearly. So that God will be glorified by them. That's the end result of all we're talking about. Is for God to be glorified. Folks if you're reading the Bible. For every other purpose with except for that one. You're misreading the Bible. The Bible is there. So God may be glorified in us. Everything that God ever created was for His glory. His entire plan is for His glory. His purpose is for His glory. His designs of man is for His glory. His design and destiny of the universe is for His glory. All things work together for His good, for His glory, for His plans and His purposes. Even if you look at the cross, you go, how cruel was that? It was for His glory. It doesn't matter how evil something may seem. Folks, it's ultimately going to be for His glory because He's going to turn it around and be glorified in it. Now, you might ask the question, Well, how can I take this lamp? In other words, this new nature that God has created within me how can I turn this into a shining light, a lamp upon a lampstand for all to see? How can this be? Well, Matthew 5, three verse Matthew 5 verse 3 through 11. Let's talk it through and clarify exactly what Jesus was meaning when he pointed to you and said that you were the light. He says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit" For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are the ones who are completely, as I mentioned, bankrupt within themselves spiritually. Jesus gives us this example of a tax collector and a Pharisee, both of them going to the temple to worship and to pray. When they get to the temple, the Pharisee, He looks at everybody else and he prays this way. And he says, God, thank you that I, (laughs) that's amazing. Thank you, God, that I am not like these people, like that tax collector. I'm not as horrible and as sinful as everyone else. Thank you, God. And guess what, God? And not only does he first elevate himself as better than everybody else, the second thing he does is he now says about all the great things he has done. He says, I pay my tithe on everything. He says, and I fast every single week. Look at me. Better than everybody, look at all the great things I do. Jesus said, but the tax collector, he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He was looking on the ground. And Jesus said, and he started beating his chest. Now just so you know, tax collectors were known for being sinful, as cheats. Pharisees were known as people who were on a moral high ground. They were viewed as morally upright and they obeyed the law. But these but these tax collectors they were dirt they were scum and jesus said that tax collector couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven and he looks down to the ground and then he starts beating his chest and he starts saying he starts saying god have mercy upon me sinner i am bankrupt before you i need salvation Now the pharisee he thought he was fine he thought he was great no this tax collector knew he needed god He knew he was spiritually bankrupt and he depended upon God to show him mercy. His dependence and reliance was on God and that is what's beautiful. And when that is who you are, totally depending upon God for spiritual life, not puffed up within yourself, elevated within your own value and worth, but when you are humbled before God, that's beautiful. Jesus said, that's beautiful to God. Jesus said right there, when He pointed to that tax collector, He said, now, that Pharisee, the proud, I will reject. But that humble person, I'm going to give him grace. God gives grace to the humble, but He will reject the proud, the pride within every one of us. Then verse 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, not those who mourn the loss of a loved one, not those who mourn because their girlfriend left them, not those who mourn the one who mourns nothing in this life except for his innocence before God is shot. His innocence before God is gone. He looks at himself and he goes, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That person right there, God looks upon him and he says, that's a beautiful, attractive attitude of the new creature created in Christ Jesus, alive unto God and dead to this world. God says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall Be comforted. When this is your attitude before God, your light is shining and your good works is being revealed to those who know you. And those who know you will glorify God when they see that inside of you. That's what Jesus said. Verse 5, he says, Blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit The earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you know who's going to be in charge when Jesus comes back? The Pharisee or the tax collector? Well, the one who's meek, and it certainly isn't the Pharisee, but that tax collector that says, God, have mercy upon me. I'm in your hands. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I am yours. That's what's beautiful to God. Verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who are hungry and thirst to just be made right with God. Oh, God, I need to be right with you. Oh, God, I need to be made right with you. Oh, God, I've got to be right with you. And I thank you that you've made a way in Jesus Christ. Oh, God, thank you for making me right with you. Oh, thank you, God, for making me right with you in Jesus Christ. Uh, it is the most precious thing in the new creation's life. Anybody who's been created anew, the new creature's life, the most precious thing is the blood of Jesus that makes them right with God. And the world looks upon that person and goes, I got, I've got to glorify this person's God. I've got to glorify his God. Look at that beautiful, attractive attitude not lifted up within themselves, not dependent upon themselves. It's nothing about humanism. There's nothing psychological about it. It's all spiritual, and it's all God's glory. It's all about Him being glorified because a person that's in that state, they're not sharing God's glory. (laughs) They say, I've been made right by the blood of Jesus, None of myself. It wasn't my doing. It was all Him. That's a beautiful attitude. A dark world sees that. And a dark world glorifies God for it. That's how you shine your light. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Folks, this is so key. Just stay with me for a moment. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The person whose heart isn't contaminated with doubt, but they take God at His word, that person will see God no matter what they're going through. No matter what they're going through, they see God. You see, all of history is littered with really evil events, many evil events, one worse than the other. Today, we are standing in a situation where, for many, it's very dark. But here Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, no matter what situation they're in, they see the hand of God. For instance, when you look down down the hallway of history and you see all these evil events, let's Let's look at one, the crucifixion of Jesus. How these hateful, evil, jealous men went and slaughtered this perfect man, Jesus. You can't get more evil than that. But to the pure in heart, they look at that very evil event and they see the hand of God saving humanity through it. You see, blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see the hand of God no matter what they're going through. My question to you today is, can you see the hand of God in your current horrible situation? (laughs) Can you see what God is doing in you in a dark world? Can you see God's hand? Well, blessed are the pure in heart, for they can. Then it says, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The peacemakers shall be called the sons of God. These are the people that are making peace between two individuals or two nations, two countries, two political parties, a husband and a wife, parents and children. These, these aren't the peacemakers Jesus is referring to. He's referring to those who make peace between others, and God. And the only possible way of doing that is through sharing the gospel. Then he says in verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Did you know that when you are being insulted because for Christ's sake, you are blessed? Do you realize that that is when you become a light? Do you realize that when you are persecuted, even by a government, a local government, if you are persecuted in any way, But you remain, you continue having this beautiful attitude before God. You are a light to this world. Why do you think those who were persecuted and executed and burnt at the stake, those martyrs of the past, why do you think that they've had such a fantastic great effect in this world after they got martyred? Because they became a light in a dark world. Their reputation became a light because they remained glorifying God even during that horrible event. That's what happened to Stephen. When Stephen was being stoned, he became just like God. He imitated Christ by blessing those who were stoning him because Jesus, when he was being crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. He blessed those who persecuted him and martyred him. What I am saying is, even when you are persecuted, these attitudes of meekness, these attitudes of mercy that you have, your urgency to make peace between men and God, all of these beautiful attitudes that God has birthed within us, they is what causes you to be a light in this world, a testimony to how great God is that He was able to create somebody like you somebody with an attitude like you a beautiful and attractive creature you are what a beautiful and attractive creature you are (laughs) so remember when god says you are the light of this world it's because he has worked within you a brand new desire now you be the testimony the witness of that amen i want to pray this for you because i feel that during this time people aren't just suffering with the pressures of the unknown people aren't just suffering with the fact that their 401k has taken a massive dive people aren't just suffering the fear of what if i get a, dis- a disease People aren't just suffering with the torment of who all in my, loved, in my family and loved ones might not make it. People aren't just dealing with the fear that they see on the news every day, but they're also very alone, very alone. But folks, there's no need for you to be lonely. God says He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. So I want to pray that you can receive this mission from Jesus Himself. During this time of pressure and uncertainty, now all the more you and I have been called to be a light. During this time when the world is getting darker and darker and darker and things are becoming more and more uncertain, now is the time for you not to become a vigilante or for you to become, you know, a. a, a, now is the time for you to be a light in a dark world.